Hey mama, grab your cup of coffee or glass of wine, some headphones, and maybe a video monitor, and commit to taking these next 30 or so minutes for you. I get it, the never-ending to-do list, the nap time hustle, getting started with your workout just to hear the baby begin to cry. But I'm here to say, you are killing it. So this one's for you. We'll be chatting pre and postpartum fitness, breastfeeding tricks and myths, upgrading your nutrition, baby sleep habits, recovery from birth, and so much more. Because while your title of mama is a big one, it doesn't cover all of you. It's time for a little self-care and some focus on you and optimizing your overall health. So let's get going. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Health Without Limits podcast. Today, I have a guest on the podcast. I have Samantha Tully. And I'm going to put all of her information in the show notes, um, so definitely check that out at the end of this. But she is an RN and a certified breastfeeding specialist, lactation consultant, and we chat all about breastfeeding. I was drawn to her page on Instagram specifically because she does a lot of myth busting around breastfeeding and then really backs it up with the facts of, you know, here's what you're told and here's why this isn't correct. And for me, I try to control the situation and make everything better right away. So if something seems to be bothering my daughter with breastfeeding, instantly I blame myself and I'm trying to see what I can do to change it. So I was drawn to her page because she does all that myth busting and the facts that she share make so much sense. And for me, it's like a weight off my shoulders to know that this is just normal, it's developmental, and it's not my fault. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this conversation today. We talk all about, you know, baby gas and what we're eating in our diets. We talk about alcohol. We talk about milk supply, pumping, and going back to work. So I think a lot of you could really benefit from this conversation today, and I would highly recommend checking her out on Instagram and looking into some of her courses and her ebook. So I will catch you guys at the end. So hey, Samantha, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I know there's a lot of people that are going to be looking forward to this conversation all around, you know, breastfeeding and the myths and the tips. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, of course. I'm happy to be here. Um, And you're probably kind of, you're in this postpartum realm. Yeah. Yeah. So selfishly, I'm looking forward to this too. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yep. So why don't I kind of hand it over to you? Tell a little bit about, you know, who you are, what you do and how you got into the field that you're in. Yeah. So um, my business name is Samantha Tully. It's just my name. I used to go under Mama B, but I switched it. And so basically what I do is lactation and parenting support. Um, I'm a registered nurse, so my career really started in nursing, and I didn't know what kind of nursing I wanted to do or anything like that, so I've bounced around all different kinds of, I've worked in the cardiac ICU for adults, I've done NICU for babies, that's where I really started um, getting into wanting to help women with breastfeeding is in the NICU, it's just not something that we have time to help with, you know, in the NICU, so it was like I really felt pulled to do it, but couldn't really give any time or attention to it um, as much as I wanted to there. And we've moved around the country a couple times for my husband's job. So I've had the opportunity to kind of restart and try different realms in nursing. Um, So I started working in a pediatric clinic before I had my daughter and did the RN advice line. So if you've ever called a doctor's office and said like, I don't know if this is normal with my baby's poop or something like that and talk to a nurse, that's what I used to do. Um, and we start, we just started talking about how many breastfeeding questions we got. We got so many calls related to feeding and breastfeeding. 
And um, I was so passionate about those calls that people just started transferring them to me. They would say, can you hold for another nurse that would be better to help you? <laughs> and um, they would just transfer them to me. And so we ended up, uh, me and another gal went to a training through that clinic to become breastfeeding educators. So we could kind of be certified to help people in the clinic. Um, we started doing visits with new moms. So this is such an amazing thing that I wish every pediatrician's office did. I wish it was just the norm. But if you came in with a new baby and saw the doctor, if you had any breastfeeding questions at all, they would come get us and we'd come into your visit and help and do like hands-on and weighted feeds and things like that. So I guess that's a long way of explaining how I got started in the breastfeeding world. But then I had my daughter and despite having that experience, helping people hands-on and all of that, I really struggled. I had a hard time with it, especially the first probably three or four weeks. Um, I had an in-home lactation consultant come to me during that time. Um, I explored a lot of like virtual resources. Um, I just kind of really struggled even though I, I kind of had experience in that world. And it made me reevaluate what I want to do and how I want to help people and what I could do. And that seed was planted that I could be an in-home lactation consultant. I could do this virtually. You know, I could help people. Um, and I ended up teaching prenatal classes. When I was supposed to go back to work, I decided I'm not going back to work. Like two weeks before I was supposed to go back to my clinic job. And uh, decided to teach prenatal classes for a private company. So I started teaching breastfeeding classes kind of on the side and then we moved again <laughs> and where I live now just doesn't have anything that I just described there isn't really a place for the kind of support I wanted to provide for people and the kind of education I want to do so I started it myself and that's kind of you know it's evolved because when I first started it was a few months before COVID and I had an office in I was doing more in-person stuff um and I still do in-home visits, go into people's homes, which is just a huge resource that people love to have. Um, but now I do everything more virtually as most of us have, we pivoted, you know, we've had to just pivot on our heels and go with it. So I started doing virtual breastfeeding classes um, and I do virtual consultations and I have some virtual resources like an ebook and a course. And so that's kind of the, the support that I provide for people. And Instagram is a huge resource. It's blown up in the parenting community. There's so many good resources out there. So I provide a lot of info there. And it's so cool that this is something that you are able to do virtually so that you were able to, to pivot. But as you were talking, it makes so much sense. You know, there is a lot of lactation support at the hospital, but you're only there for one, two days usually. Mm -hmm. And even thinking back on my own experience, like the lactation consultant came in, I was able to call her when I need her, but my milk wasn't even in yet. So it was just like I was getting all this information and hoping I held on to it until I got home. And of course you don't. So it's great to have that other option when you come home and it's mm -hmm. all just kind of thrown at you. Yeah, that's exactly it. I always say to people, the vast majority of us don't have our mature milk supply in when we're in the hospital. And so that support, it's just things totally change when your milk comes in mm -hmm. and your baby gets a little fussy and starts cluster feeding. Like I call it night two syndrome. Sometimes it's night three syndrome um, or second night syndrome. A lot of people that rolls off the tongue a little bit better. But um, yeah, so second night syndrome, like you're home when that happens and mm -hmm. your baby starts getting fussy and wanting to nurse way yeah. more and your breast getting gorged and you're leaking and it's like yeah. the baby struggles to latch. That doesn't usually happen in the hospital. 
Um, and so if we feel like we're just sent home and then it's like, holy crap, all of a sudden this is really hard and we're just sort of left to our own devices, that's when I think um, the biggest struggle happens. It's kind of like day two to day seven. Right. Yeah. And you're trying to do all the things with those high stress levels and it's just not effective. So you mentioned that you do online courses and eBooks. What would you say typically are some of the most popular or common questions and topics that you get asked about? Well, I'll take it in two directions. One, uh, stuff I get asked prenatally. So I teach breastfeeding basics like prenatally. And some of the most common questions and concerns I get asked about there are integrating, basically like going back to work or how do I, how do I breastfeed and work in pumping and have a milk supply for my baby? What does that look like? You know, what do I do? And um, I always say, worry about pumping later because if you don't get breastfeeding off to the right start at the beginning, three months down the road, it doesn't even matter. Mm -hmm. and, and not to sound harsh, but that's just the reality of how our bodies work. It's like, we have to really get it going baby to breast first and get your milk supply established and get your baby nursing well and focus on that first because otherwise it doesn't matter what you're pumping at week 12, you know? So that is a huge concern um, and question. And I think I remember thinking this through prenatally. We just want to plan. You know, you're in the mindset of like planning. What's this going to look like? What's it going to be like? Um, but breastfeeding, as you know, I mean, all of us know if you've nursed for like one day, you probably already know this. It evolves and changes. One feeding is not like the next. One day is not like the next. And definitely one month is not like the next month. You know, it really changes with time. So that's a big one I get asked about. And then another, um, so then postnatally, so after baby arrives, questions that I get asked about oftentimes revolve around like baby's behavior or is this related to breastfeeding? Are they getting enough milk? Why are they doing this? Why are they, you know, are they nursing too much? Are they not nursing enough? Like patterns and things like that. And then also milk supply. That's kind of a big, um, that like, are they getting enough piece of it? Mm -hmm. Um, is a big concern. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I think mm -hmm. I found with myself as a first time parent, I call myself like a nervous parent because there's so yeah. many things around breastfeeding that are kind of unknown. And we are fortunate, we have a lactation consultant at our pediatrician's office. And she's had to kind of reassure yeah. me a few times, like, you know what you're doing. She's she's yeah. getting enough, she's getting what she needs. But it's it's hard in the moment to know, you know, is she getting enough? Is something bothering her? Am I doing something wrong? And like you said, it evolves and you get more comfortable usually week by week or month by month. But mm -hmm. to have those resources, I think are, is huge for moms that mm -hmm. whether they're new or seasoned, I think it's probably just something that you're always going to need. Yes, definitely. And it's a hard, we live in a hyper vigilant parenting world. Um, and that can be good and bad, but we are told, do your research, know the facts, you know, what is your baby doing? Pay attention, question everything. Like we're kind of coached into that hypervigilant state. So with breastfeeding, we're going into it, like wanting to know all the details and the exact, you know, how many ounces are they taking? What are they getting? How often do they eat? How long does it take? As if those numbers could tell you that yes, breastfeeding is going well. But we don't know those numbers. Even yeah. if I do a weighted feed, that's not 100% accurate. And that's one feeding. Mm -hmm. I can't do a weighted feed for three days in a row, every single feed. That would give us a better picture. Yeah. But that's not what we what we can do, you know? So it's 
um, I do feel for people. I mean, I went through this process myself where I wanted to know, like, well, how do I really trust this? You know, how do I really trust what the baby is doing? And I think that's where the process, if you've heard of the term feeding on demand, most of us have heard that if you've had a baby, um, that feeding on demand really comes from a place of if you allow your baby to nurse when they want to nurse for how long they want to nurse for and not limit it and not restrict it, not put a schedule or a timestamp on it, then um, they're going to get what they need from you. And if they're not, that'll be reflected in their weight gain. Mm -hmm. And that's really the bottom line is, are they tracking well on their growth curve? And I always go back to that with people. The things you can check for at home are um, wet and poopy diapers. You know, are they having enough diapers? Kind of behavior, but newborn behavior is very erratic. And sometimes they're fussy and it doesn't mean they're not getting enough milk. But in general, are they more alert and active prior to feeding and more relaxed and sleepy after feeding for the majority of feeds, not every single feed? Um, those are what you watch for at home. And then the weight gain is really like the bottom line indicator. So, you know, I've worked with people that are so alarmed that their baby only nurses seven times a day, but their weight gain is fine. They're doing really well. That's what works for them. That's like mom's storage capacity and milk supply and baby's tummy, how much that can hold. There's a lot of things that go into that. And then the reverse, I talk to people that are like, my baby nurses 13 times a day and my friend's baby only nurses eight times a day. And I'm so worried. Are they doing that because they, they're not getting enough? Well, no, they're gaining weight fine. It's just what mm -hmm. your baby needs to yeah. do. But it's really hard to, to go from that mindset of wanting to know every single detail, like know the facts. Yep. Um, it's more ambiguous. Yeah. Yeah. And that comparison, I think, is, is huge. And you talked about knowing the facts, and that was one of the things that actually drew me to your page, is you talk a lot about, like, myths around breastfeeding and that was just like that was the first time that I started seeing these things that I thought like wait a minute I'm allowed to do that wait a minute that doesn't affect that and that's yeah. just been honestly like a weight off my shoulders because I know like you said we're told to do the research and know our facts and mm -hmm. when the milk is coming from you it's very easy yeah. to put that pressure on yourself like I know Personally, my daughter has struggled with gas, and I was told, well, check your diet. Maybe it's carbonated beverages. Maybe it's cruciferous vegetables. And then I find myself, everything I eat, I'm like, oh, no, is this going to bother her? Right. And that's something you talked about on yeah. your page. So can you yeah. share a little bit more around some of those some of those myths? You can use gas as the example if you want, and, you know, how, why why are we told this, and why is it, I guess – not factual. Well, honestly, this really goes back to the fact that people for a very long time in the medical community or in the research world did not have any interest or desire or monetary benefit to studying breastfeeding. There was just no reason to do it. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to do it, but there's, there's no good reason for like researchers or the medical community to really study this. Um, and so it's not been studied until very recently. And the medical community, we're taught this in nursing school, so this is not like a, you know, I'm not just saying this, this is a legit thing that they say. Um, actual medical practice, so like what your doctor's doing in the clinic or what nurses are told to do, policies and things like that, information, handouts, it's five to 10 years behind the research. Um, that's how it works always because they don't just go off one research study, it has to be a lot of research studies and then people have to evaluate those research studies and write papers on it and it trickles down, it takes a very long time. 
So what we know to be true about, for example, if you eat broccoli, does that make your baby, um, you know, be gassy? That was just an assumption that was never proven. It was never studied. It was just like, I bet it does because broccoli makes us gassy. It probably makes the baby gassy. It's like trickled down generation to generation. No one's ever questioned that. And then when people started questioning it and we started studying it, those things have been very recent, like in the last five to 10 years, that information is not going to doctors, you know? Um, and they don't, um, how do I say this without sounding, <laughs> without sounding mean, they, they don't have an interest in finding that out for themselves. And again, this is just how the medical community works. This is how our system is set up. Um, so it's not of, they don't have a benefit to going out and finding this stuff and kind of going against the grain. What would be the benefit for them to do that? So it's easier to just go, oh, what I've heard is that broccoli and this and this could make your baby gassy. So don't eat that and just see. Um, when in reality, that causes so much stress on the parent because it's not the same as just altering your baby's diet, like switching formulas. It's your life. And like you said, your body that then makes you think you're the cause for your baby's discomfort. And whether it is or isn't, the seed has now been planted and we are now stressed out and worried and, you know, questioning our body and what, what it can do. So that is just same with alcohol, like, you know, alcohol going into breast milk. It's been said for years and years that whatever mom's blood alcohol content is, is what the alcohol content is in the breast milk. But it's just not possible for that to be true. And if you look at like antibiotics or other drugs that we might give moms, um, and have it be active in their bloodstream. And then the percentage of that that's active in breast milk is so much lower. I mean, it's like one to 5% of whatever's active in mom's bloodstream is in the breast milk because breast milk is not made from a hundred percent of what's in your blood. It's only a small part of it. So when you think about it like that, it makes complete sense. But then why are we still telling everyone that it's the same concentration? So things like that, I think it's going to change because people like me and other breastfeeding people that are reading, um, reading research studies. That's like, Hey, no, they actually tested breast milk and that's not what's happening. Um, it, I think it's going to change, but it takes a while. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really unfortunate because breastfeeding is one of those things where it is personal because it's us, it's our bodies. And then it's also during a really high stress time, especially for a first time parent mm -hmm. where we already need to feel more empowered and more like, yes, you can do this. And saying things like your diet makes your baby fussy, or you have to rearrange your entire life. You can never have a beer. You know, if you want to breastfeed for two years, like good luck with that. You know, you can never eat broccoli or salad or <laughs> eat dairy or whatever the case is. Um, it just makes it feel a lot harder. And then people do stop breastfeeding for these reasons. And then you can't really go back. And that makes me really sad when I work with people that it's like, well, a doctor told me I couldn't do this, this, and this, and that my baby was super gassy because of my breast milk. Um, and so I stopped and now I regret that. And now you can't go back. Mm -hmm. um, and plenty of people stop breastfeeding and are totally fine with that decision. And then I support, you know, I support that hundred percent. But if you stop for those reasons and you're really sad about it and it's not what you really wanted to do, that's not something that should be happening. And that's so interesting how you said, and it makes sense that the research that doctors are using now is actually kind of lagging behind because it has to go through studies and it has to be written up and shared, which makes so much sense. It is just like you said, unfortunate because breastfeeding is so personal and it's so easy to just blame ourselves.
Now, mm-hmm. isn't it, it's true, I'm not going to get this totally right, but with looking at like foods in your diet that go through your digestive tract, isn't it also that it's not as impactful because breast milk is like a totally different, it's coming like through the bloodstream versus the digestive tract? Is that true? Yes, exactly. Yep. So the breast milk is made through a pro I'll try not to get too like scientific about it, but we know we have alveoli in our lungs, right? And so alveoli in the lungs, um, pull oxygen from the air we breathe and put it into the blood, you know, into the blood. And then it takes, uh, the unoxygenated blood. I'm like better at describing it with breast milk than I am air in the lungs, but you get what I'm saying. The alveoli does like an in and out process. Mm-hmm. Same thing in the breast tissue with breast milk. So it's pulling nutrients and things like that from the blood and creating breast milk that way. So it's not anything to do with what's in your tummy. It's what's in your bloodstream. So if you eat broccoli, for example, there are certain components to that that could make its way into your bloodstream, float around, and make its way to breast milk. Um, Like proteins do that. So that's why when we see dairy allergic babies, it's the cow's milk protein usually causing the issue, not lactose. Um, Lactose intolerance in babies is extremely rare. So is cow's milk protein allergy. But lactose intolerance is even more rare than that. It's People think it's the lactose, but it's not. It's the protein. Um, because protein can go into your bloodstream and then into breast milk. But like fiber, so what makes us gassy from broccoli are like the enzymes and the hard-to-break-down fiber part of that vegetable. That's in our gut. That Those fibers don't go into your bloodstream and float around. There's not like broccoli chunks, you know, getting into your breast milk. So... And it's hard to picture how breast milk is made. Like we're not taught that, that there's alveoli that pull things from the blood. People don't know how it's made. So then it's, it's easy to confuse how those things would be true. Mm -hmm. That's funny that you, (laughs) the broccoli, the broccoli chunks being in the breast milk, Mm -hmm. like this, I had gotten myself down such a rabbit hole with this because I'd been told from so many people, check your diet, check your diet. And we were changing my daughter's diaper a few weeks ago and found like a small piece of broccoli. But (laughs) obviously it was, I'm often like after I feed her, I'm holding her and eating my dinner at the same time. But my first instinct, I said to my husband, I'm like, oh no, like it's, and he's like, Caroline, you, you just said that you think she pooped out broccoli. Did you hear yourself? I'm like, oh my God, like you just get yourself down this rabbit hole. And it's so helpful, like you said, to have you and other people sharing these messages so that we can take the pressure off, we can take the stress off, and just what I've been telling myself is it's developmental. It's normal for her to have gas. It's normal for her to spit up, you know, and I just have to let her kind of go through these stages and not, like, try to micromanage it and stress myself out. Yes, that's exactly – I think that that is a big – part of it is we, especially for first time parents, we are not expecting what happens with newborns, like the fussiness and the gassiness, people say it, but you don't know what it's like until you're experiencing it. And if you're breastfeeding, there's something to blame because Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, you know, this is a natural thing that's made from your body and it changes. And we know that it evolves and changes, breast milk does. So it seems like, oh, that could be the issue when in reality, breast milk is so much easier to digest and, you know, so much better for a healthy gut microbiome and I'm not saying that to be you know negative on using formula formula is a wonderful thing um but just the facts of like how breast milk is composed it's so good for a healthy gut for the baby so to to imply that we could do something more by switching to formula is just 
you know, it's not an accurate thing. It's not what we should be doing in the medical community to push for that. And we should be coaching parents into here is what's normal with fussiness and gassiness, just normal because mm-hmm. they don't have a lot of microbiome. They're building up new bacteria. They're not used to sensations. They're neurologically underdeveloped. They're oversensitive to feelings in their tummy. Like there's so much that plays into being gassy, fussy, not just breast milk or formula. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we know that it's normal, I mean, yeah, we all go through And I always say it peaks and all babies come down the other side. So whether you have a super fussy baby or a mildly fussy baby in the moment, you'll never know what you have <laughs> because it all feels stressful, but they all come down the other side and improve. Yeah. Um, and you know, there are red flags to things that we would be more concerned about, like blood in the stool, not gaining weight. Well, um, lethargy, projectile vomiting is different than spit up. I always describe vomiting as like forceful contraction, you know, spit up is passive. Mm -hmm. So there's a difference between those two. So there are things that we can just have in the back of our mind, but we shouldn't be going, Oh, they're gassy. So I must be able to change something and they won't be gassy. It's just time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that it does that. Yeah. I, uh, I feel like this is just like, I could talk forever about <laughs> this information, but I would love for you to share, um, you know, where people can find you. I know like today you're doing, um, an Instagram live to talk more yeah. about this kind of stuff. So if you want to share where to find you on Instagram, but also if people were interested in your courses or your eBooks, how they could get connected with that. Yeah. So on Instagram, I'm at Samantha.Tully, T-U-L-L-Y, my last name. And then my website is just samanthatolly.com. So um, on both those resources, on Instagram, there's a link in my profile with buttons to everything that I offer. So you can always go there and see what's available. Um, And then also on my website too. So um, I do online booking for virtual consultations and classes. Um, My, I have a guide to, um, guide to milk supply, like guide to increasing milk supply. That's just kind of a really good like thing to have in your back pocket, an ebook to reference. It's really everything that affects milk supply. How does your body work? What affects it? What about pumping? What about your baby's behavior and growth spurts and your milk supply regulating and nutrition? You know, all the things that could go into that. Um, so that's available online too, anytime. And then I'm hoping to do something for this whole question that I get asked all the time about pumping and returning to work. I'm not sure what that's going to look like. I might do some sort of like online group where mm-hmm. we do like a course together and have kind of a support group thing. Um, so yeah, that'll be coming up. I don't know when, but I hope to get that. Oh, and I'm sure that that would be very popular just to have that support from other moms kind of going through the same thing. That's a great idea. And I know you were really just like, we scratched the surface with everything that you have to share today. So I do hope I'll put everything in the show notes of where people can find you because you do share a lot of that information on your Instagram page specifically and then people are able to kind of dive in more when they work with you. So yeah, I'm so glad we were able to do this and I was glad to have you on and hear all this information. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was great and I'll look forward to connecting with you again on Instagram. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Health Without Limits podcast. You guys know that I appreciate your support more than anything and really love having this outlet to just share my voice too. Don't forget to reach out to me on social media so that we can connect. You can find me on Instagram or Facebook. Both of those will be in the notes section of this episode. I'll catch you guys in the next one.